the Investment Podcast, brought to you by M&G. This podcast is for investment professionals only. Hello and welcome to this CIO edition of the Investment Podcast. I'm your host, David Parsons, and today we're joined by two very special guests as we look to the year ahead. With me today are Fabiana Fidelli, Chief Investment Officer for Equities and Multi-Asset and Sustainability, and Jim Levis, CIO for Public Fixed Income at M&G Investments. Pleasure to have you both here. Our last podcast of 2023, indeed. So I wonder if we can move perhaps to the key issues of the day. So, of course, inflation and the path of interest rates have remained the dominant themes of 2023. It's been a year of shifting narratives as markets reacted to the latest economic data points and comments from policymakers. But as we enter 2024, what are likely to be the big drivers of your respective asset classes, do you think? Well, I think that 2023 was a year of surprises in many respects. Remember, I'm a bond investor. 2022 was awful for fixed income. And I think that most people had looked at the bond markets and the yield curve and its inversion, i.e. long-dated yields being below short-dated yields, and thought to themselves that this year would be a year of a US recession and that the Fed would be ready to cut rates. And so people were expecting a good year for bonds and a weak year for US economic growth. And in fact, the US has, has had a really strong 2023, and bond yields have had another disappointing year. Uh, we've reached over 5% um, in yields at the long end of the, the US bond market this year, for instance. So things didn't go according to plan um, and interest rates have stayed high from the Fed. But next year, I think we are going to get a different story. We probably will get that recession, that the yield curve that bond markets have been predicting for over a year now. And that's because interest rates have gone up so much. So we've had 5% and more of interest rate hikes from the Fed. That's probably taking longer than most people had expected to feed through in terms of putting a break on the global economy, but it is starting to come through now. We're seeing the signs of that in inflation starting to come down in the US. It's not far away from the Fed's target on some measures now. And some signs economic growth are slowing too. In particular, I'd say the US housing market is starting to slow down again as a result uh, of all those interest rate hikes. So next year will be a year where the Fed can cut interest rates and the market thinks at the moment that we're going to get over 1% worth of rate cuts from the Fed. So effectively four rate cuts in 2024. There's always a risk that inflation makes a a comeback. There's always a risk of another geopolitical event that causes bond markets to go up or down. Um, I I think the biggest event for me will probably be the the sheer volume of elections we have around the world in 2024. And there's a big one in the United States, as we all know. And I think that will be perhaps the biggest driver of bond yields in 2024. And Fabiano? What do you think might be the equity take on these types of factors and where do you think the equity markets might be heading next year? David, inflation in particular, core inflation, is going to be key for equities in 2024. And not only that, but obviously the reaction of central banks to such inflation and the pressure that higher interest rates will put on global economy. Equities like lower rates. They like a healthier economic environment. And for now, with inflation coming down, but still high versus central bank targets, central banks really don't have a reason to cut 
as long as the economy is still resilient. Should the economy worsen significantly from here, then cuts might come, but it might be coming for the wrong reasons. So equities will be reacting to that. What happens to core inflation and what happens overall to the macroeconomic background? So as global inflation gradually cools, expectations there could be rate cuts next year have increased. But policymakers have signalled that interest rates may remain elevated for some time to come. What are your thoughts on this and what impact could a higher for longer environment have, do you think? Yeah, what's the reason why interest rates will stay high? Well, it's a good news story generally. The the kind of theme that people put with um, what they called table mountain profile of rates, i.e. the Fed or the Bank of England or whoever hikes aggressively and then keeps rates at a high level for for a year or so before they're cut, um, is that we get a soft landing in the global economy. So it's something we should all hope for. The problem is really that when you look back at history, it never happens. I mean, there are very, very few examples of a soft landing. Uh, We all think that central banks are getting to that point where they manage to engineer one, but then you get a sudden slowdown in growth. I mean, it is it is um, the archetypal steering a, a, an oil tanker around and, you know, very big changes in interest rates are going to have a very big impact, but you, you kind of don't know when the turn happens. And it looks likely that will be next year now. And so... The chances of a soft landing, as I say, history doesn't bear that out. And history also shows that you don't get a tabletop mountain formation in interest rates. But generally, the Fed and other central banks cut interest rates around eight months after they reach the peak. And it's possible we are at the peak. And I think that's why we're seeing, as we go into the end of 2023, we're seeing bonds start to perform really quite well. And the reason for that is that the bond markets think that maybe the Fed is done, that the Bank of England is done, and the ECB isn't going to be hiking rates either any anymore. So within eight months, uh, i.e. by the middle of 2024, we'll, we'll see central banks cutting rates again. And unfortunately, the soft landing narrative, I think, will probably go out of the window at that point. And what impact do you think that higher for longer might have or an elevated period of uh, interest rates on equity markets, Fabiana? Well, David, in the end, equities are driven by earnings and by the outlook for those earnings. And higher rates are not conducive to higher earnings. Let's not forget also that the higher rate environment hasn't really affected all markets in the same way. Think about the US where households really are still having long-term mortgages at relatively low rates. Companies have already taken on debt at times during COVID when debt rates were very low. So we're still not seeing that impact of rates, particularly in the US economy. We're starting to see some cracks even in the US. We actually just spoke to a few credit card companies earlier this week And they have told us that while it is true that the higher-end consumer still continues to spend, the lower-end consumer, the lower-income consumer, we had already seen a decline in spending on credit card balances. And now that same decline is coming from one tier up 
of income, of consumer income. So you're starting to see a, a little bit more concern also from households about the higher rates, about a slowing economic environment. And overall, this means that a higher rate environment, if it continues, could affect equity markets negatively. So I think we're all agreed the market's direction is by no means clear. Uh, Do you foresee more uncertain terrain ahead? I I mentioned that we've got a lot of elections next year and we've got Trump on the horizon. And uh, I was speaking to some colleagues the other day and we're asking ourselves, if someone told you it's definitely going to be Donald Trump president on the, you know, the start of 2025, the elections November 24, uh, what would you do in terms of your, your portfolio? And I think that it's going to be a case of him thinking about unfinished business. Unfortunately, that means some personal revenge on politicians, judges and other people who perceives to have wronged him. So political instability and social instability is something I think you, you've got to be nervous about. Economically, for risky assets like equities and uh, corporate bonds and high yield, it may be quite good for US assets because I think that if you look back at the tax cuts he w- was hoping to put through when he was last president, he didn't manage to really move the dial to a significant degree. And he's a pro-business president. I think he'll want to do more this time round. So I imagine we'll see big tax cuts, good news initially, a sugar rush for um, for rich people, for corporates, uh, but it probably also means lots more government bond borrowing. So I think government bonds, and particularly long-dated government bonds, will probably suffer in that environment. And they'll also start thinking, do these tax cuts um, produce a bit more inflation? Does he put taxes on imports as he's threatened to do? Does that does that also generate some US inflation? And then finally, and most worryingly, I think, geopolitically, does it mean that Trump decides to leave NATO, abandon Ukraine, leave Taiwan to its fate, etc., etc. So a ramping up of geopolitical uncertainty that could could cause um, some really big moves in asset prices around the world. And do we see a similar potential for uncertainty ahead in equities? Well, David, yes. Clearly, we expect uncertainty ahead in uh, equities. Let's not forget that for equity markets, what really counts is the health of the global economy and the impact that the geopolitical risk and government policies that Jim speaks of will have on the direction of such global economy. But let's also not forget that uncertainty brings opportunity for active investors When we see the cycle being uncertain, the best course of action for active investors is really to look at structural themes rather than cyclical exposure. And there are a number of structural themes that are seeing capital flowing in independently from the macro backdrop. I am thinking of innovation, including AI, infrastructure, and also the low-carbon economy. So there is uncertainty, but there are also opportunities. We've seen in the past how volatile markets can create opportunities for disciplined, selective investors in both equities and bonds. How might investors be able to drive returns in the year ahead, considering all the factors in play that you've outlined? 
Well, I think it'll be really important to think about what a slowdown in growth means for the assets that you own. And so far, if you look at corporate bond markets, which is you know, the thing that I'm most interested in really, we haven't seen a really significant rise in defaults. It's been a, a world where companies borrowed lots of money during the pandemic, so they're not short of cash. Um, they can survive a, a downturn. And if you look at their fundamentals, how much borrowing they've got relative to their earnings, I think we're quite happy that we're not going to see investment-grade companies at least experience a significant default wave. They're well-funded and uh, should be able to survive an economic downturn. When you look at the riskier end of corporate bond markets, and I'm talking about high yield, which people call junk bonds or speculative grade bonds, I think the, the story is a little bit different. There are some very weak companies at the bottom of there that pay you a very high yield. We're talking 10, 11, 12%. But we are starting to see default rates edge up for those companies. They have borrowed a lot of money. And I think it's yet to be seen whether when those bonds mature, whether the market is willing to give them more money. And so I think we'll see defaults start to edge up um, in the lower rated bonds. So I think quality is going to be quite important. And I think uh, doing your credit homework is going to be ever more important in a downturn. You know, we've had uh, a few years now where economic growth has been unspectacular, but steady. And in some areas like the US, pretty good. And so I think there's a danger that people in the market have got a bit lazy and uh, haven't discriminated between the good companies and the bad companies. So at times like this, you need a, a strong fundamental credit team doing your own independent credit research and producing credit ratings yourself rather than just looking and buying the stuff with the highest yield. So discrimination, credit research, and I think a move up in quality are the things that I'd be looking at in 2024. Thank you. And some thoughts on perhaps the uh, the key points in equity markets. What do you think is going to drive return there? Well, David, we have seen two interesting phenomena during 2023 that have affected equities. The first one is during the earnings seasons, we have seen companies even in the same sectors faring very differently in terms of fundamental results. And this has been due to stronger product lineup, uh, better intellectual property, better cost control, better balance sheets, and ultimately better management. And this differential in results has had an impact on the performance of companies, even within the same sectors. So if you look at the dispersion among companies, uh, among stocks in the MSCI ACQUI since 2020, it has been consistently above its 10-year median. Now, something has, however, happened in the summer during the sell-off that we have seen between August and October, and that is that such dispersion has been compressed. And so, this has created some significant opportunities that we can take advantage of because many companies have seen price declines that frankly were not warranted by fundamentals. One example that comes to mind 
is the so-called bond proxies. Many companies so price declines because investors thought they were exposed negatively to a higher for longer interest rate environment. However, some of the companies had very uh, long-term maturities for their debt. They had fixed rate debt. Many of them actually had very strong balance sheets and uh, also cost passed through on their revenues. So there are opportunities in this area, particularly in infrastructure and in the low-carbon ecosystem, where companies with long-term structural tailwinds are currently at very attractive prices. And I agree with Jim, it is really important to do your homework, to make sure that the companies you invest in, particularly because of the uncertain economic environment, are higher quality, have solid balance sheets, have strong products, and again, where there is a solid management. Let me maybe conclude with an interesting data point. Many investors believe that the U.S. market has trounced all other markets in performance in 2023. Well, if you look actually at the top 10 stocks in the MSCI all-country world, among these ones, the top performing stock was not a U.S. stock, it was actually a Chinese stock, a stock from a market that this year has been unloved by investors. And actually, among those top 10 companies that have outperformed in the MSCI all countries world, um, only four were listed in the U.S., uh, most of the others were Asian stocks, and one actually was a U.K., listed stock. So to me, this means that there are still plenty of opportunities out there in equities for investors that are willing to go deeper in researching stocks and who remain selective in their choices. Unfortunately, that's all we have time for on this occasion. I'd like to thank both Jim and Fabiana for your insights and your time today. Uh, and thanks to you, our audience, for tuning in once again. For further information, please view the notes which accompany this episode. This podcast is for investment professionals only. The value of investments will fluctuate, which will cause prices to fall as well as rise, and investors may not get back the original amount they invested. Past performance is not a guide to future performance. The information and views expressed should not be taken as a recommendation, advice or forecast.